A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Out of the last six years, consumption of U.S. soy has outpaced production worldwide. Doug Winter, chairperson for the U.S. Soybean Expert Council and a soy farmer from Illinois, shares more about global supply and demand as well as growing markets. One of the great things about U.S. soy demand is out of the last six years, consumption has outpaced production uh, actually worldwide. And so a lot of markets around the world are beginning to get a better idea of how valuable U.S. soy is from the various aspects of a superior crop, a more better milling aspects or as far as crush aspects of it uh, with the amino acid array that's contingent in it. We're just seeing a, a lot more interest in demand and a lot more sales worldwide. And so we're seeing the consumption figures go up and up all the time. So things are looking from the producer standpoint and us as the U.S. supplier, things look very good. I've, I've been very impressed in travels that I've had over the last couple of months with international customers that a lot of interest in what we have coming up, what the quality of the crop looks like. So all those aspects from the, the farm production standpoint and what the U.S. crop's looking like. It's great to have that good production, but then how does marketing it look like in other countries or exporting it? Where is that projection for the winter and then even moving forward into spring of 2023? Well, a lot of the countries that we deal with are price buyers. We have moved into a lot more diversified markets around the world, more of the emerging and developing markets, which are smaller countries. And a lot of those are still cued to price buying. There's some instruments that USEC has provided, the soybean value calculator, a nutrient value calculator, and then the soybean oil value calculator. But um, they're using those and beginning to take a look at it as compared to soy from other sources and finding out that ours actually, even though the price is higher, that ours is a better purchasing decision from the standpoint of the value that they're getting, particularly as we use 96 to 97 percent of soybean meal goes into livestock rations. They're finding that that's a better value and, and it's actually giving them a greater profit margin than what soy from other origins are. So we're having a lot of interest in those areas. Of course, sustainability is becoming a larger part of the conversation all the time and the U.S. produced soy has a great advantage over soy from other sources, other destinations because of our accountability and our certifiability of shipments of soy with the uh, Soy Sustainability Assurance Protocol. So we've just had a lot of interest, a lot of growing markets worldwide as you're looking at increasing population and a lot of the countries that are emerging in our markets and as to what they can use, what the volumes look like coming into the future. How do the events happening in Ukraine or drought affect these growing markets and being able to grow and sustain current markets and get new markets going? It's caused some markets that were particularly in the edible oils, I think, more than anything because the sun oil shortage with the Ukraine-Russian conflict going on. We've had a lot more inquiries and I think a lot of those countries are beginning to roll over to the U.S 
U.S. as a supplier because they do know that we've always been a very reliable supplier. They know that we have the infrastructure to be able to deliver on a year-round basis and not just um, in any one particular in, in our harvest season as some of the other countries are queued to. So I, I think they've got a really great interest in doing, you know, in working into using U.S. soy on an increasing percentage of their supply. You recently were in Pakistan and Dubai. How does the market look there? Is it as volatile as it is here in the U.S.? Are they relying on our U.S. soybeans to be exported to them? Or what is that relationship currently for them? A lot of the countries, particularly in the Pakistan area, are still queued to being a price buying because they are on very slim margins with the market that they have. They don't have a cold chain for their predominantly poultry products in that part of the world. So they're actually still doing things in a wet market. So their profit margins are smaller and they are still predominantly a price buyer, but they are beginning to look at the value of U.S. soy and finding out, like I said before, some of the value of those. They have a, I won't call it a loyalty, but they have a greater desire to accrue U.S. soy or to, to um, buy U.S. soy. They say it's a better product. The quality of the crop coming in, the quality of the meal that they get in their crushing operations, and plus they need a whole bean because they have a high demand in their part of the world for edible oils for human consumption. So the soybean oil is, is kind of the product of choice in that area, and they're able to import whole beans, crush them, and get both ends of that spectrum. Now, at the Crush Conference in Dubai, the largest contingent there in, from any one country was from India, and I had a lot of questions from the Indian buyers about what our supply looked like, what things were going to be coming into the future, because India is beginning to trend away historically in the past they have had a non-GMO preference and they're beginning to see that they can't get the nutritional the protein needs that they need trying to buy all non-GMO and so they're beginning to trend into their livestock operations into having a higher degree of desire for GMO soybean they're beginning to see the production advantages of it from that sort of thing from that aspect but in Dubai all of the buyers that we had there had an interest also in the sustainability because that's becoming a bigger factor with a younger middle class and the people with the expendable income that are increasing the value or the, the quality of their food supply, trending into more meat, a better quality of protein, they're beginning to have a lot more pressure and a lot more emphasis on the sustainability of the crop that they're using to feed those livestock and just if they're in human consumption, also from the sustainability side, uh, it's becoming a larger and larger factor all the time. So speaking of the U.S. soy and then China, there's a 40 years of collaboration that's going to be celebrated in the coming months. Can we talk about what that looks like and projections for 2023? We've had a great working relationship from the agriculture standpoint through all of the, for lack of a better term, turmoil that we've had with Chinese relations. Agriculture has kind of been the stable source, maybe the adult in the room, for lack of a better term there. Between USEC and the Ag Ministry in China, we've had a very good dialogue with them. Our conversations have always been very good, and we've been able to maintain that communication. China, with rebuilding their hog herd after the Asian swine fever problem, has kind of been a constant factor. They've increased their poultry flock a great deal over the past few years, especially with the ASF problem. They were using poultry in their diets to kind of fill in the gap for their decreased hog supply. And with the rebuilding of that, their demand is still looking like a large factor. Of course, their population, with that size population and, and trying to keep that many mouths fed, they're going to have to have a good supply of higher grade protein 
proteins and vegetable oils. So I think the market in China, if not increasing as much at what a rate it has in the past, I think it's still going to be a fairly stable supply, which is going to be a large amount. With around 30% of the U.S. crop being exported to China, we export around 60% of our total crop worldwide, about half of what we export still going to China. There's still going to be a big factor. I think the emerging markets for the U.S. soy producer, I think that's something to keep in mind that, that it's something that we're working very heavily with, paying a lot of attention to, and those markets are growing. Uh, the ones in the sub-Saharan Africa, the South Asia, Southeast Asia, particularly the Americas, um, Mexico, Ecuador, a lot of those markets are showing great increases, uh, some up to 16% over what they purchase. When you get into the uh, sub-Saharan Africa, Egypt has been just uh, a model success story because they have a great loyalty to U.S. soy. We've helped them a lot in, in getting a lot of their livestock and aquaculture operations off the ground and showing them the, the best way to be able to grow a lot of their uh, aquaculture production and their particularly protein production in a more efficient way. So it, it's been really great. These emerging markets around the world, I think, are going to become a larger and larger factor in the next few years for a U.S. soy producer and, and for our prices. That was Doug Winter, chairperson for the U.S. Soybean Expert Council. You can learn more by going to ussec.org. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.